listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of TheBarkBoard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I am Lucio Arik, your host of the show, and as always, being joined by the publisher of the Barkboard, Mr. Jackson Moore. How are you doing, Jackson? Uh, are you are you still alive? You still you still a little bit well done from from that last game, Lucio? I'll tell you, um, I'm not. I'm usually one that owns sunscreen and forgets to put it on, and I don't know if it's because I actually did it. Saturday morning or because I got tanned over the course of fall camp, but I was, had no red on me. I'm feeling good. <laughs> as miserable as we were feeling there in the fourth quarter uh, down on the field, uh, I made a full recovery pretty quick. So uh, it was a fun game for a while, but I, I hope we don't have any more 11 a.m. kickoffs in August anytime soon. Oh, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I don't know what... You know, I, I know the networks have to fill these uh, time slots sometimes, but uh, man, they really need to take weather into consideration sometimes um, <laughs> because here in Fresno, it was uh, a, a high of 106 degrees, uh, but that is just, uh, you know, everywhere, the, the surface area. Now, if you're down on the field where the players are actually playing, um you know, someone had a, one of those thermometers and they took a reading right off of the field itself and it was 100 and, uh, 152 degrees on the field. <laughs> so anytime those players hit the ground, uh, it was like they were landing on top of a stove, right, Jackson? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was bad. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people still probably don't realize some of the things that went into scheduling that game and, I think it is important to, to remember that CBS Sports Network had the rights to for the Fresno State game and the San Jose State game on Saturday. And I, I believe since the Spartans are the defending Mountain West champions, they kind of got top billing with the 7 p.m. kickoff, which left Fresno State to pick between 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. And I think as, <laughs> as tough as the 11 a.m. kickoff was, I, I'm glad that we weren't in there starting the game at 3 p.m., 4 p.m., so... Uh, it was less than ideal, but they, they made the most of it. And yeah, you feel for the players. They talked about having extra cleats in case they melted. I mean, <laughs> it was ridiculous scenarios there. But, you know, the, there is an element to uh, it being an advantage for Fresno State. They, it seems like every time they play one of these games, it's a blowout, whether it's uh, UConn or Incarnate Word or Colorado. Uh, I mean, the Bulldogs are are Valley tough and they know the heat and a lot of the opponents that come in at this time of year don't. So, um, tough for the red wave, but, uh, the Bulldogs certainly took advantage and they, they made it out. Okay. Now the, the, the weather wasn't just a, a factor for the, the teams, but it was also a factor for, for the fans themselves. And, uh, just, me myself, I, I found a nice little shady spot and I stayed there. Um, tried to <laughs> tried to stay out of the sun as much as possible, but the fans, there was no escaping. Um, and from what I hear, there was at least a minimum of thirty calls of of people dropping like flies due to heat exhaustion. Uh, and it was just one of those times where everybody just needed to stay well hydrated for the games. Now, when I say well hydrated, I mean water, people. Water. <laughs> That's the best way during this this kind of weather. Um, but that being said, Jackson, it ended up being uh, quite a bit of a, a blowout for the Bulldogs, uh, winning 50, uh, 45 to nothing. Um, it, the first quarter, however, it was a little less to be desired, and it took the, the Bulldogs a little bit of time to kind of get things rolling. What did you see that kind of contributed to the factor that the Bulldogs just couldn't get things going in, the, in that first quarter? Yeah, I mean, that was bizarre. We spent all preseason and all fall camp looking at how loaded this offense is and uh, you know how good of a quarterback Jake Hayner is and how great the receivers are. And you've got Ronnie Rivers and other guys that are running back as well. And and then they come out and they can only muster one first down on, on three possessions in the first quarter against a, a lowly UConn team. That was a shock to me. Um, the, about the only thing they could come up with after the game was that they felt like the team might have been a little too hyped up. And for the defense, that was a good thing. They were able to feed off that energy. Uh, but for the offense, it was a little bit of a, a nervousness to them with 
you know, their first game in front of the fans. Um, you know, Jake Hayner, even that was his first start in front of Fresno State fans. So uh, it sounds like there was some nervousness. We saw some passes from Hayner that were a little off the mark that we're used to seeing him make real easy. And then we also saw just a little bit of a failure to execute on some, uh, you know, like a cropper sweep and uh, some quick passes just didn't get down the field far enough to move the chains. But uh, the Aaron Mosby uh, scoop and score uh, was a big one for the team's momentum. And then uh, when Hayner hit a pass to Josh Kelly to set up the first offensive score, uh, that really got things going, I think. And it was all all uphill for Fresno State from there. Um, uh, the, the flurry uh, in the second quarter just about put the game away already. So um, uh, once they got quick in, it, it all came together real fast for the Bulldogs. And, um, yeah, as surprised as uh, the slow start for the offense was, I was about equally surprised for the strong start the defense had. I anticipated they would be better than last year, but man, they, they played the fantastic from start to finish. And you figure, uh, I mean, even thinking back to the great Fresno State defense of 2018, they gave up two long touchdown passes to Idaho in that season opener that season. So uh, this defense might really have something going for it to play a, almost a perfect game. Yeah, the defense looked like it was just rolling there at one point and uh and basically knew what was coming and uh the fact that uh Aaron Mosby continues to break out uh wherever they place him on the field that that's uh that says a lot for him as a player uh and what's your take on on Aaron being you know the MVP of the week so to speak for the Bulldogs defensively and what what do you see him uh, heading this season? Yeah, um, you know, it was kind of a mystery how he was going to look at defensive end. He's, he's obviously never played the position before, um, but he made the transition this offseason coming off of an injury last year where we didn't see a whole lot of him. And, I mean, not only has he done well, but he even unseated a returning senior starter on the depth chart, Kwame Jones. He's listed as the second teamer now even though the, all three of them are just going to play a lot and probably about an equal amount. But uh, so expectations were a little bit higher after seeing the depth chart. And yeah, I mean, he lived up to him. I mean, he was impactful early and you know, after the scoop and score, he, he didn't have to play a whole lot more. The defense had it pretty much wrapped up, but um, yeah, I mean, he, he got off to a, uh, as good of a start as you can imagine. He was named the mountain West defensive player of the week. And uh, yeah, I mean, what, what a start. Uh, it was just it brought back the, what you remember about the potential of Mosby just a couple of years ago when he was having a really good uh, junior season at linebacker, uh, taking a bigger role, and then kind of disappearing last year with the injuries and the surgery he had. It's been a little while since we've seen him have, be that impact player, and that was a quick reminder on Saturday that he's every bit as good as he once was, and at this new position, he'll be able to rush the passer and he'll be able to, to drop back a little bit, be kind of a linebacker at times too. But uh, yeah, he can do a little bit of everything. And he might be that Michael Walker difference maker that this defense needs in that area. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be something uh, the Bulldogs are, are have a luxury right now at that de- defensive end spot with uh, with Mosby. And it will be interesting to see just how, how he developed develops as the season progresses um he's got a couple of tough matchups coming up here pretty quickly and next week is uh, this upcoming week is is Oregon so that's going to be going to be interesting to see how he deals with the level of talent that the the Ducks have uh on that end position um but offensively the Bulldogs you know even though they had a slow start um ended up you know coming coming together and getting things rolling um, before Hayner had to step out uh, due to heat exhaustion and cramps. and uh, But a couple of key plays. One is, um, is um, Cropper's uh, receiving catch and making the defense of uh, Connecticut look silly uh, because he was surrounded at one point and, and ran it in for a long touchdown. Uh, surprised by that one, Jackson, with uh, Cropper being able to kind of break away from everybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were on the field, and to see Cropper break a long score, nothing new <laughs> for us. But uh, when you see the overhead TV angle of that play, oh my gosh, there's like five defenders 
all about equally distance around him. It seems like there's nowhere for him to go. And he pretty much just lowered his head, bounced off the guy, and <laughs> broke free. I mean, it was crazy how quick he, he got out of that jam. And uh, once he has open space, there's no one that's going to catch him. Uh, and then, I mean, the only person that was close to him was Josh Kelly, who was the lead blocker, basically, for 60 yards down the field. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that was a, a pretty special play. And, um, I mean, I think the title one of our cohorts the 24-7 went with was that Cropper uh, embarrassed the UConn defense. So that was, he got kind of viral for that play and, and the, the outlook that it had before he broke free. But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we've come to expect of Cropper. And I think this is going to be a season where, you know, you take his speed and then you add all the, the strength that he's had over the offseason. And, and you're going to see more of those types of plays throughout the year. Absolutely. It looks like uh, Cropper has has finally hit a, a milestone of uh, – uh, of just the way he looks. I mean, he just looks po- more powerful than he has in the past. Um, and I think part of that was uh, when he got injured, uh, they really wanted to work with him and, and develop some muscle to so that he can absorb some of those hits. And he, he pretty much absorbed the hit on that last one and, and broke it free for a touchdown. <laughs> so it, it, it looks like it has to be working there with the, with the, with him and, and his uh, ability to just make people look, for lack of a better term, make people look silly. Um, so that was fun to watch. But another player hit a, hit his own milestone uh, as well, and that's Rivers by uh, catching a pass and getting it in for a touchdown, making him the all-time leading scorer or touchdowns uh, in touchdowns for the Bulldogs. And uh, his dad was really celebrating that one, Jackson. And, and what's your take on on Rivers and and his state of mind going into the season now that he has that behind him? Yeah, um, I'm getting used to seeing uh, Rivers making some milestone plays and, and being in the right spot at the right time. I was back in the end zone when he scored that touchdown in Boise, he was coming right at me. And on Saturday, I was right there in the middle of the back end zone. <laughs> He broke loose and, and scored that touchdown, put his finger in the air. Uh, I mean, that was definitely a special moment to see him break that. And I think it is extra special, I felt at least, to do it on that kind of play because last year uh, they were trying when he was hurt to, to punch him in for that one-yard score to try to get him the record before, you know, who knows if he was going to come back or not at that time. And uh, they couldn't get it done then. So for, for him to do it on a 60-yard score, I thought was pretty exciting. Um yeah, I mean, I think it just shows where he's been at uh, this off season. Uh, last year, the big story was how he added so much muscle and strength to his frame, and that hasn't changed at all. He's maybe even added a little bit more uh, this season, and he certainly hasn't lost any speed either. He, he's standing at 195 right now, and uh, looked very solid in his uh, opening game. And I mean, it didn't have huge numbers other than that big touchdown catch, but uh, yeah, that was definitely a special moment. And then. Uh, man, what a recruiting uh, advantage for Fresno State to a couple hours later offer his little brother, Devin Rivers, uh, who was in the stadium and was celebrating that score. Uh, and so now Devin is a, a junior in high school. And uh, perhaps in two years, the Bulldogs will have another Rivers in the backfield. He's another running back like Ronnie and like his dad. And uh, he's really excited about that Bulldog offer. So uh, the, the Rivers story may not be over after this season. <laughs> Yeah, it may continue on because uh, uh, from what I, I've seen, um, his sister also was a Bulldog at one point for the softball team. So they're looking to try and go three for three with the Rivers family. So we'll see what <laughs> happens here. Well, if you think about it, four for four, if you count his dad. So um, <laughs> so they're they're pushing hard to see if they can get another running back here uh, at with the Bulldogs with the last name of rivers. So that'll be interesting to see if that, if that happens, if, if it does, then this will be the all time legacy. Won't it Jackson? Yeah. I mean, we've seen, you know, brothers and father and son, but I mean, <laughs> when you start getting this many relatives <laughs> on the team, it's, that's, that's pretty special. Uh, so, and that's what some uh, Fresno state has really been able to, to capitalize on. I mean, it is a program that, uh, really does value typically the legacy recruit and, and the family ties and the local players. And, you know, a lot of those guys seem to be some of Fresno State's best. You think about the cars being from down in Bakersfield and 
I mean, there's just a ton of examples. So um, this could be a, another chapter. And I think even if Devin becomes a pretty big recruit, that it's going to be really tough for him to turn down Fresno State. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a fun one to see how this happens. Um, if he, how many offers he gets, but from what I hear, he's just as special as his brother. So um, this could be uh, one of those good catches for the Bulldogs if they can keep him here as a Bulldog. Um, uh, now I think the Bulldogs do have an advantage with all of the family being here, but you never know. He might want to head off and and do his own thing. So. Let's keep our fingers crossed that the Bulldogs are able to snag another Rivers here for uh, for the future. <laughs> um, but uh, can't we can't switch gears yet until we talk about uh, Hayner going down with with cramps and and heat exhaustion and several players, in fact, went down uh, to the point where some of them had to have some uh, IVs um, injected so that they could get back on their feet. Uh, what do you think about that, Jackson, and what, what can you report on it? Yeah, I was at practice on Tuesday, and it seems like all those guys are, are back in pads, so that's encouraging. You know, it's, sometimes it's tough to tell. I mean, you assume it's cramps, but you never know, especially I think four different offensive linemen had to leave the game on a single drive. And then even Jake Hayner, when he cramped up, he initially grabbed at that leg, and he disappeared to the tent for the injury tent for a while. So. You, know, you never know if one of those might be more serious than it looked, but fortunately, it seems like everyone's back and, and ready to go. Uh, maybe taking some extra precaution this week after some uh, health scares, but otherwise, they, they should all be good to go. And, and of course, Hayner being the most concerning, uh, the Bulldogs did go to Logan Fice at that time. Um, talked a little bit about last week about the backup situation, and I think it was just too early into the game to, to not throw uh, Fife out there. Uh, they wanted to not have to waste anyone's redshirt season in this game. Or, you know, you get four games to play now and you can keep your redshirt, but what good does it do if you go in there and hand the ball off a few times or take a knee and that's it? So the fact that Fife uh, threw 13 passes, I think that was a valuable game experience for him that they're going to be able to live with. And, you know, you never know at that time if the Hainers was was injured seriously, then the red shirts really don't matter at that point. You're going to need someone to play 12 or more games uh, to replace them if, if that would have been the case. So uh, Fife went in there. Um, Jalen Henderson is still uh, in that competition as well. Uh, either of those two guys could come into the game next time if a similar situation arises. And uh, again, uh, you're probably not going to see them go out there uh, if it's uh, a blowout type of situation good or bad going forward uh, until they, they later in the season perhaps if they have some extra games to burn now the Bulldogs look like they were uh, pretty well balanced um, in all aspects of this game the the one that kind of is a little bit of a, a challenge right now for the Bulldogs is is the rushing game uh, of course kind of hard to get things going uh, on the with the running game uh, when the offensive linemen are dropping like flies, right, Jackson? Yeah, uh, but, and they still um, you know, were able to, to kind of control the line of scrimmage after that point with the second team, and it is important to note that uh, the Bulldogs do have nine total guys that have started college games, so uh, you don't want to lose some of the starters, but a lot of the backups, there's not a huge drop-off either, and, and some of those position battles are still even going on this week, um, but at that point, you know, UConn was really defeated. They came into the game missing a couple of key defensive linemen anyway. I think they only had eight D linemen to the up. And you can imagine by the third and fourth quarter, those guys were as checked out as you could be <laughs> with the heat and the score. And so the backup O-line also was able to, you know, put together two scoring drives and Fresno State ate up a lot of clock in the process. So, um I mean, successful appearance by the backups uh, about all the way around to put a couple more scores on the board and on defense keep the uh, shutout alive and, and completing it. Yeah, so things looked good for this past week. Uh, Bulldogs, uh, again, um, taking down the Connecticut Huskies uh, 45 to nothing. But the, this week, they're heading to a very hostile stadium. Um, and one that's not going to be as easy for the Bulldogs. Uh, if uh, uh, if you look back to uh, 
historical meetings between these two teams. Um, the only time the Bulldogs were close when it was here in Bulldog Stadium. Uh, so Jackson, um, the Oregon Ducks, going to be a huge challenge for the Bulldogs, um, especially now as it seems like they're becoming one of those uh, power teams in, in college football. Yeah, you know, it's a, a different feel than, than what the series was previously. I mean, the Bulldogs won a couple games in the 80s. In the 90s, there was uh, two games the Bulldogs dropped by three points. And in the mid-2000s, uh, Pat Hill went up against those guys four times. And um, you know, three of them were, were absolute heartbreakers, including two of them up there in Oregon. And um, some fans will still have a, a bit of a grudge against some of the referees in <laughs> a couple of those games that, uh, were closely decided in a, a couple of pivotal calls, uh, really bit the Bulldogs. But um, the last time Fresno State played, it was this edition of Oregon that has really become a national contender uh, when Tim DeRuiter's team in 2012, which was actually a, a ultimately a really good team. Uh, we didn't, weren't 100% sure what to know at that time early in the season, but uh, they kind of got rolled over real early against the Ducks, and then they actually kind of woke up and, and played pretty good for the last half of the game, but it was too little too late. So I think that's going to be probably the biggest challenge is when you're playing Oregon, they, they still have a lot of the speed they used to have, but it's also a much more physical team with head coach Mario Cristobal, and uh, they've been with Chip Kelly and other coaches in the past. So there's going to be an adjustment early, and the Bulldogs can't afford a slow start, or it's going to be near impossible to dig out of it. So that it's going to be key to adjust to the talent level as early as possible and to also adjust to the environment. I mean, the stadium is, it's kind of like Bulldog Stadium 2.0. It's a very similar blueprint, a little bit bigger, a little bit nice, a lot bit nicer, <laughs> frankly. And um, they uh, really typically pack it in and they are very loud. Um, we'll see what kind of crowd they get uh, with all the situation going on right now and, there's a lot more uh, stricter COVID protocols over there than that Bulldog Stadium, so we'll see if, if that plays a factor at all. And, you know, frankly, um, it's an 11 a.m. kickoff like Fresno State had, so it's going to be a weird atmosphere, and they also have Ohio State the week after. So I think there's a few reasons to think uh, that it might not be as loud as Austin Stadium normally is, but you also have an Oregon fan base that hasn't been in there for two years and they might just be excited for, for any game, any opponent, any situation to, to watch their ducks play. So, um, it's going to be a, a challenge. I think, um, you know, Fresno State fans have every right to believe that, uh, they're going to go in there and compete and even have a chance to maybe knock off the ducks. And if your Oregon is 20 point favorites, their fan base probably is not sweating this one too much, but they may find out, Sooner rather than later, that uh, this is going to be a, a pretty pretty good ball game between two teams. That uh, this isn't going to be a, a blowout by any means. That's for sure. Yeah, this is a, this is going to be a tough one for the Bulldogs. Um, <laughs> I I'm still looking at this game, going. Um, I I just hope the Bulldogs keep it close. <laughs> I mean, it, it was a good showing last week, but the sheer talent that is on the Oregon Ducks is kind of scary. It's kind of scary to look at. Um, so it, it just speed alone is one that the Bulldogs are going to have to overcome um, against this Oregon's, Oregon Ducks team. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, I'm rooting for the Bulldogs, um, and I am hoping that some of that magic from the Pat Hill days comes back to where they keep these, uh, these P Power 5 teams very close in these games and with a chance to, to win it. I'd love to see that. Um, but is it is it going to be something that the Bulldogs have a fighting chance, Jackson? No, I think so. I think um, you know it's not going to be a, a stage or an opponent that's too big for this team by any means. It's a, a, a veteran team. You've got a lot of guys that are you know, the key players on this team were even the core of the 2019 team that went to USC and came pretty close in that game uh, to hosting Minnesota and losing in overtime. That was the Gophers team that spent much of the year in the top 10. So I think when you look at the returners on this team, there's a lot of uh, experience and confidence, even though it's been two years. And then you've got uh, kind of this new group of transfers and other players since then 
that uh, them themselves were Power Five players. You look at Jake Hayner, Ty Jones, Elijah Gates. Uh, I mean, Jordan Wilmore even played quite a bit uh, on Saturday in the second half. So, I mean, those guys were all Pac-12 players, and a lot of them played Oregon. A lot of them played in Austin Stadium. And so, I think um, you know, outside of a few concerns, uh, the Bulldogs are going to be pretty well equipped to go into this one. Uh, probably the scariest thing is that you know the the very top end talent, and it's uh, about the worst position it could be at if you're Fresno State with Kevon Thibodeau, who is uh, thought to be. I mean, he's been hyped up as maybe even a defensive Heisman candidate, as a top, even maybe number one, at least number five NFL draft pick. And he's at that defensive end, outside linebacker kind of role. And the Bulldogs didn't give up a sack last weekend, but we know all too well the last two years uh, they could not protect quarterbacks very well. And to go up against this elite of a defender who's going to be pass rushing as much as possible, I'm sure, uh, that could be a scary day and something that if he's just wreaking havoc in the backfield all day, it's going to be tough for Jake Hayner and the offense getting going. So, uh, that's going to be critical. And then just the trenches in general, because uh, you used to play Oregon with Chip Kelly and some of the previous teams, and you'd be scared about those guys that would break off the, the 80-yard touchdown at any time. And this team has some of that speed, but they have a head coach now that is really an offensive line-minded guy, and they've really uh, put together some impressive prospects on the O-line and D-line. And, you know, they really focus on dominating in the trenches and that's typically where you'll find the biggest gap between a a number 11 ranked power five team and a group of five team even a really good one like Fresno State Um, the Bulldogs have some really good defensive linemen we saw uh, a lot of new defensive tackles last weekend and they're going to have to really live up to this challenge this weekend Uh, aside from Kevin Atkins that's probably the biggest concern is that they're going to be able to um, penetrate the uh, the Oregon line are going to be bigger and more physical than they've ever seen in their football careers to this date. And then on the other side, the O line they've got to they've got to do anything that can resemble what they did last week. And uh, and if they do that, the offense could put up some numbers even against Oregon. But again, if if they can't uh, compete at the line of scrimmage with some of the Oregon players in the front seven, it's going to be that long day that that you worry about. Yeah, it's gonna. <laughs> it's definitely gonna be a challenge uh, for the Bulldogs uh, to to try and win in in the trenches. Uh, but if they if they're able to pull that one off, Jackson, it's it should make for a closer game. Uh, if for any reason the Bulldogs can dominate on either side of the ball, could give the Bulldogs a fighting chance, right? Yeah, I mean, I look at what the defense did on Saturday and obviously it's going to be a different challenge this weekend but if they can just keep everything in front of them and not give up the big play uh, they're going to be within striking distance and um, even if if the line of scrimmage is the issue if they can just let Oregon beat them four or five yards at a time and and kind of grind the clock a little bit and not get those home run plays like they they got over and over in the 2012 game uh, then this is also a game that could be within striking distance for a few quarters at least. Um, you know, you're, it's not a team that's going to burn you on two or three big scores in the first quarter, and you're, you're down 14, 21 points already and, and trying to find a way to keep it close. Uh, so if the Bulldogs can just avoid the big plays defensively, they should be in good shape. And offensively, I mean, the Bulldogs have they have a quarterback, a running back room, and a receiver room that I think rivals a lot of Pac-12 teams. And if they can just get an adequate performance on the O-line, they'll have enough to put together drives and to score some points. And um, So if, if they can keep this game, I think, relatively slow, relatively low scoring, that they're going to be able to go blow for blow for a while at least and, and possibly be in it uh, down the final stretch. Yeah, and so that with that, uh, Jackson, how about the key matchups for the Bulldogs against this Oregon defense? What do you see is going to be the key matchups uh, that could ultimately de- decide um, between these two units? Yeah, well, the first one is Thibodeau, uh, the star Oregon defender. He's going to be going up mostly against 
Dante Bull at left tackle and Alex Akinbulu at right tackle. That's kind of where uh, you know we're we're keeping an eye on on who's going to be able to to stop them or stop him in particular. I mean, he's a, a bit of a defensive end, edge rusher kind of guy, and uh, Bull has uh, been a pretty talented and reliable O lineman for the Bulldogs. Akinbulu has been not a starter up until this point. He's a six-year college guy and has really taken a leap. So this is going to be as big of a test as you can imagine for him. And then the other factor is that Oregon is going to be down two defensive backs. They had two players get in some trouble off the field um, earlier this offseason. They missed most of the camps, but uh, they got reinstated. And um, But they're still going to be suspended for this individual game and you're talking about dj james and jamal hill two starting defensive backs for oregon and if you're fresno state and you've got all the talent you, know, you have a quarterback and wide receiver uh, to know that oregon is going to be down two um key players in the defensive secondary that's you, you hope to feast on that now they are going to have four star guys that were backups still in those spots but they're going to be younger they're going to be less experienced um and they're going to be potentially vulnerable to be attacked by Fresno State's passing game. So uh, if they can keep Hayner uh, protected and if they can take advantage of some receiver matchups, I mean, there's an opportunity for the Bulldogs to do some some big things in the passing game here. Yeah, that's going to be uh, definitely the Bulldogs are going to have to make sure they uh, lock up Thibodeau there. Um, that's going to be one of the main objectives for them. Now, on the flip side of the coin, you've got uh, Fresno State's defense against this Oregon's offense, and key matchups there. What what do they need to do to to prevent the the Ducks from running away with this one? Yeah, for me, the biggest matchup I'm going to be looking for is the the next defensive tackle up for Fresno State against uh, the interior Oregon line. Uh, last weekend it was Leonard Payne. It looks like he is going to be the next guy up. But uh, one thing that helped the Bulldogs be successful last weekend, especially with the heat and avoid cramps and stuff, is that they have five defensive tackles that rotated uh, pretty consistently throughout that game. They kept fresh legs, and uh, they just sent guys one after the other to UConn and, and tired them out. And this is a game where Kevin Atkins should be a guy that can go head-to-head, but can the other four? Uh, that, that, that's a big question. So if they can, <laughs> then the Bulldogs feel really good about their defensive uh, line attack. But uh, if they don't have that extra piece that's adequate to go up against an Oregon O-line, then that can cause problems with uh, stopping the run game, of course. Uh, but otherwise, you feel really good about what Fresno State has with Atkins and all the defensive ends they can throw at Oregon. Um, and then the other... Uh, Key matchup for me, otherwise, is the safety group. You want um, guys like uh, Evan Williams and you want Elijah Gates and Kosti Agina. These are guys that are going to need to be the last line of defense to stop uh, the big plays. Um, we saw UConn actually had a couple of passes where they had a receiver beat the defense and just the pass couldn't get to him. Uh, the Bulldogs can't afford to have that happen this weekend. Uh, those guys also need to step up and fit in the run game uh, from time to time and give the Bulldogs an extra guy there in the box. So uh, the play of the safeties, I think, could go a long way in uh, Oregon either having a, an average or a, a really good day offensively. Yeah, this is going to be – it's going to be – a challenge for that that defense. So hopefully they they get the matchups correct, uh, where they're not going to leave a, a player uh, out on an island by himself trying to defend uh, against some of the this Oregon talent. Uh, so we'll see what happens there during this game. Uh, now special teams wise, Jackson, um, uh, the the kicking game for the Bulldogs looked looked pretty good. Um, but I mean, of course they tried a long field goal from 50 plus and hit the upright, but it looked like the, the kick had plenty of leg on that. And, uh, it looks like the, the Bulldogs might've found their, their kicking game again. Right. Yeah. And it was a bit of a surprise because even earlier this month, uh, I was talking with the special teams coordinator, uh, Eric Schmidt and, you know, 
Cesar Silva was the guy they really liked for his accuracy, not necessarily his strength. And they even he even said specifically, you know, Silva's were pretty good with him 45 and in, but if it's a kick from 50 yards or out, we might bring in our new guy, Abe Montano. And um, that, that wasn't the case. They let Silva attempt that 51-yard field goal. And <laughs> yeah, if they hadn't hit the upright, it would have been good from 55, close to 60, I think. I mean, it was, it hit the, the, the upright pretty high up there. Um, so that was an impressive boot. And then we heard a little bit of it in the preseason that Silva had really worked on his leg strength because they brought in Montano and they brought in another kicker, uh, Andre Miona. And those two guys were expected to compete for the kickoff job because their legs were so strong. Uh, Silva's been here for three years now and he's never done kickoffs really. And so for Silva to also win the kickoff job and boot five kicks into the end zone for touchbacks, I mean, that's huge for this team because last year, Asa Fuller was the the kickoff uh, handler and I believe the Bulldogs only had two touchbacks all season long in six games. So uh, anytime you can put one in the end zone and not have to worry about defending it, I mean, that is night and day uh, a big deal for your, your special teams and keeping guys fresh and especially a Bulldog offense that anticipates it's going to score a lot of points this season. And against Oregon, they've got a big-time recruit in uh, one that's a familiar name, Micah Pittman, uh, who is the son of Michael Pittman. Um, he's back there on some returns for Oregon. They've got another uh, Michael Wright on uh, kick returns. I mean, Oregon and any type of team, when you get to that level, is going to have a guy that has enough speed to break you on a return. So, the more the Bulldogs can put the ball in end zone for touchbacks and, and position punts, uh, it's going to be a big boost for special teams. Yeah, this is going to be uh, hopefully the Bulldogs have turned the corner with their, their special teams because it's been a, a real sore spot for the last few years, so to speak, Jackson, of trying to figure out who the guy's going to be, who's got the leg, Um it's it's been kind of a struggle for the Bulldogs to try and find someone who's had the 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 ability to kick the long field goals or or kick the ball into the end zone. It seems like they finally uh, have found their guys here, and uh, hopefully they can stick with it for the rest of the season. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think they learned real quick. I mean, it's one of those things where uh, it doesn't matter. It's not matchups or anything. If someone can boot it into the end zone, they, they're feeling good about it. I mean, you may have environments or elevation or wind that, that impacts what you can do and who you can do it with. But otherwise, I mean, for most weeks, they're going to feel really good about Silva back there, booting kickoffs and, um, and handling field goals. You know, Carson King at punter, he had a, a rough first punch, but we also saw his leg on some other, uh, his next punt, he, he booted that one pretty good, so. Um, we don't know too much about the punting game, but uh, kickoffs and, and field goals seem to be in a good spot. Yeah, and this is uh, definitely going to be a, a plus for the Bulldogs. Now, the only other thing that is still missing is is the kick return game. <laughs> That's one of the items that we, we haven't seen in a while is uh, a player with the, the, the ability to, to break open a game by returning a, a punt or a, or a kickoff. And we just haven't seen that uh, for, for some time now for the Bulldogs. Um, do they have the players that can do this, Jackson, or are they, they afraid to plug those players in back there? Yeah. Uh, you know, fortunately <laughs> you know, they would have liked to have um, tried that out a little bit on Saturday, but fortunately they didn't have to, when you shut out a team, you only get one, kickoff attempt ever <laughs> to return for uh, 60 minutes so uh, that was good for the Bulldogs but yeah they didn't get to uh, rest that very much um, Jordan Mims is kind of the guy they're, they're looking at plugging in back there um, usually you know you don't want to put a key skill position player in harm's way too much but uh, considering Ronnie Rivers is going to command so much of the offense it's a, a good way to get him involved uh, on kick returns and I believe Jordan Wilmore was back there with them as well. Uh, the idea seems to be by this staff is that they want someone that's got a little extra strength uh, to bounce off the tackle when need be on kick returns. So uh, a little bit of a different approach, and uh, we'll see if it works out. Yeah, this game is definitely going to, uh, coming up, going to be something 
uh, a little bit different. However, the the weather is going to be a little bit familiar for the Bulldogs. It's going to be 90 degrees. So um, not exactly going to be cooler, uh, however, a lot cooler than it was here in Fresno. Um, this could potentially work in Bulldogs' favor, Jackson, you think? <laughs> Question. I mean, yeah, you know, I haven't been to Eugene myself, but I do know there are parts in the country where, I mean, going to the Bay Area, I was at a Giants game this summer, and man, it was supposed to be 70 degrees, and that sun hits you. It's like, uh, you know, I stood in Bulldog Stadium for like five hours in the sun on Saturday, and it was okay, but you spend about 30 minutes in that San Francisco sun and you got to just get to the shade. It's a different kind of heat. So I don't know about Eugene, but it's very plausible to think that 90 degrees could be a problem, even for the, the ducks. I know it's been seventies earlier in the week. So uh, about Friday, it's going to crank up the heat a little bit. And uh, I mean, just in general, it makes for a, a less enjoyable environment, whether you're a fan or a player. So, uh, at least for Fresno State, it can't be nearly as bad as what they saw last weekend. Well, if if you, if this is any indication, it's currently uh, it, it's still early today. It's fifty four degrees there right now, and it's a high for seventy nine in Eugene this afternoon. Uh, however, their humidity is at seventy three percent at the moment. <laughs> so, with those factors, if you think about it, ninety degrees with maybe eighty. 80% humidity. <laughs> um, that could be a real sticky kind of a game, right, Jackson? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, you've got Bulldog players here. Uh, there was a recruit from Texas, and uh, he, it was, I mean, he was in the stands like everybody else uh, last weekend, and he told me, you know, at least it's not humid. Like, back home, you know, it was kind of nice. So, uh, when. Uh, that that might be a little bit of an extra development for Fresno State, not having to deal with the humidity here if it, if it is indeed pretty humid in Eugene. Yeah, the humidity is probably going to be the biggest killer out there um, because it can turn uh, a relatively nice day into a very crappy one really quick if you're, uh, if you're just standing in the sun all day long. Um, but that being said jackson any any other thoughts any final uh, thoughts about this game upcoming against uh, the oregon ducks yeah uh i mean this is a game that i mean oregon they're not number 11 for for no reason i mean they're really good they're really talented they're uh i mean college football kind of gotten to the point where at the top four or five teams kind of at a different level and I don't think Oregon is at, in that group by any means, but you know they've got some players that would be, and that alone is going to be tough for Fresno State. But I mean, I do think the Bulldogs are are really talented themselves, and you know, even Kirk Herbstreit said on College Game Day he thinks that Fresno State's a top twenty-five kind of a team this year. And when you look at all the super seniors, I mean, the Bulldogs are as deep and as talented in a lot of places as they've ever been, and so. I think they have every bit the reason to think they can go in and compete with Oregon. And if everything goes right to get the win, and that's the key thing, you know, if they have some turnovers, if they give up a bad play on special teams, I mean, one or two of those plays, you could look back at the end of the game and say, ah, oh, if that play hadn't happened, uh, we would have upset Oregon kind of thing. So um, they've got to play pretty much a perfect game. And, I think they do have some extra intangibles in their favor. They've got four quarters under their belt. They shouldn't be too ner- nervous going into their second game. Oregon's going to be working out some kinks. They've got a, a new starting quarterback in Anthony Brown, who's very experienced as a, a Boston College grad transfer, but I mean, this is his first real start as a Duck. And, and so there's going to be some feeling out on their end. And if the Bulldogs get out to a fast start and, um, and they can avoid any negative big plays, uh, they have a chance to, to pull this one off, I think. But probably um, the most likely outcome I, I, I anticipate we'll see is that Fresno State's going to look really good for a decent amount of the game. Um, there's going to be some some low lulls in the, those four quarters where the O-line quite isn't up to snuff or the defense isn't quite up to snuff against this Oregon team. And you know, a couple of breakdowns are, are going to be tough for Fresno State to recover from. I think that's what we'll see. And Ultimately, I kind of look for Oregon to win this game by maybe about 10 points or 14 points, perhaps, which 
Fresno State would cover the spread. If it's 10, uh, it would be by half the spread. I mean, that would be a pretty impressive finish as far as the Las Vegas odds makers are concerned. But I think we're going to see, even if Fresno State doesn't win this game, they're going to have a performance that gives you a lot of confidence going into the rest of the schedule that they can beat just about anyone left on it, that they can be a really big contender in the Mountain West. And, um, and yeah, so even if they don't get the big upset, I think they're going to do a lot of good things and and have the kind of performance that doesn't deflate you when you have one of these games. Like, even in 2017, the Bulldogs got blown out by Alabama and Washington, but they did enough things where you thought, okay, this team might be closer than we thought <laughs> to the team before it was, what Tim DeRuder was back in 2016. It was we saw the makings of that turnaround with Jeff Tedford, even in those blowout losses. So that's not going to be the case, I don't think, this weekend. But even in a loss, you can see uh, a lot of the things come into form. And I think that might be what you see from the Bulldogs this weekend. Definitely. So it'll it'll be a fun one for, for everyone to watch. Uh, so hopefully uh, we'll see what happens, uh, that the Bulldogs are able to, to – um, to, to really pull this one uh, within striking distance. So hopefully uh, it's a good showing for the Bulldogs, and we'll see what happens uh, as the, the week progresses. Hopefully uh, things go well for the Bulldogs. Now, Jackson, um, your, your prediction here, key players of the game for the Bulldogs, offense and defense, who, who, you, who you picking after seeing one week of play so far? Yeah, I think offense is going to be Jake Hayner. I, uh, you know, I think he's going to have to make a lot of plays, if, especially if he's getting rushed. And um, uh, there may be a case for the Bulldogs are potentially playing catch up. We saw against Nevada, he threw the ball like seventy times. So, I mean, this could be one of those games where if the Bulldogs need to put up some quick scores, he's going to be having to do it himself with his arm and his legs. So, uh, yeah, I, I anticipate. Um, there's probably going to be a situation where Hayner can put up some big numbers in this game, win or lose. And uh, with all the receiving weapons Fresno State has, it's going to be tough for um, anyone any particular week to put up big numbers. We saw last weekend, uh, Hayner had well over 300 yards. No receiver had more than uh, 90 yards, I believe, on the day. So it's kind of a, a weekly thing. But this particular game, Hayner's going to have to really take over for the the Bulldog offense to uh, stay above water and defensively. Um, oh, it's a, it's a tough one. We, uh, I wanted to see Tyson Maeva be the guy last weekend and really it was everyone. <laughs> I mean, no one had more than four tackles, but I, I really like some of the plays Maeva made uh, in his four tackles. Um, I'm going to go with, um, with Evan Williams. I mentioned earlier, I think the safeties are going to be big. And Williams is the most uh, consistent guy the Bulldogs have back there. Um, I, I would look for Williams to kind of bridge the gap between not giving up the big play and also fitting in in the running game. And perhaps we see Elijah Gates uh, if he could. He's kind of the guy that's the big takeaway player for the Bulldog defense. And if he could get one <laughs> in this game, it would be just enormous. So um, I would say. Williams as my overall pick, but I think Gates could have that one single play that really changes things for the Bulldogs and maybe gets more of the credit than uh, perhaps is deserved over the course of 60, 70 plays, however many they're on the field for. Now I was gonna I was gonna get your prediction on scores, but I think I'm gonna wait until uh, the Bulldogs get into conference play before we start that that game of uh, predicting scores on on games, uh, because then it'll give us a little bit more uh, chance to see what the Bulldogs are capable of and uh, get a better reading um, as to what scores are going to be. But um, Jackson, any new news for the Bark Board uh, before we head off? Yeah, the Bulldogs did pick up a commitment this week, and um, he has a, uh, a uh, how should I say this? He has a name that is um, intimidating to pronounce. <laughs> he goes by Sonny, and the last name, I believe, is Zepera. Zepera? I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, I haven't gotten to talk to him yet, so uh, I will have that soon. But he is a three, uh, he's a tight end from Arizona. 
he had the one offer from Fresno State. He visited last weekend and he committed. So uh, you can learn a little bit more about him on barkboard.com. We've got a story on him. And uh, he's the first offensive commit of the class. Uh, Jaden Davis is listed at receiver, but he's going to be a cornerback for the Bulldogs. So, um, yeah, there's some recruiting news there. We have uh, some stories on some of the other visitors that came this past weekend as well. And uh, so the 2022 class is uh, coming together a little bit, and we should see a lot of visits as well for the Cal Poly game in two weeks. So uh, recruiting is ramping back up as things open in September. Yes, it is. So things are going to start to roll here a little bit. Um, Bulldogs will start to kind of heat up on the recruiting trail. uh, And we will keep an eye on everything. And uh, to get the latest news on Fresno State recruits, there's only one place really to be, and that's on thebarkboard.com. And if you want to know the latest details, a premium subscription is the way to go on that. And Jackson... Uh, any any specials or anything on the as far as becoming a premium member right now? Yeah, you know we've got. Um, if you join for uh, if you want to kind of try it out, you can get your first month for just a dollar. I mean, <laughs> that's in thirty days you'll get all of September uh, if you join to uh, this week, um, which is going to have the Oregon game and the UCLA game. We're out there at practice, uh, getting the scoop on what to anticipate throughout the week and. Um, also all the recruiting details and uh, we also have if you're interested in the long term uh, you can join for a year for 30 percent off um, that's like getting like three months off pretty much uh, of your premium subscription for a year so you've got those two options to get in and uh, you know we've been collaborating with the oregon 24 7 sports staff so you can see all their stories if you're a vip member and you can see our content with them that we'll have during this week and uh, a lot more uh, around each uh, Bulldog game uh, that we're at this year. So it's going to be fun. Uh, and in order to keep up with us, again, a premium subscription is the way to go. Uh, get your news quicker than than anywhere else. Um, and, you know, just make sure you're checking out the boards because uh, there's a lot of good information happening there, both on the premium and the uh, free board. Uh, now, with that being said, if anyone is looking for Jackson, you can find him on at Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report, or head over to our Facebook page, do a search for the Barkboard, and become a member there. Uh, but as always, head over to thebarkboard.com to get all your latest information. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.